Rafer. Yes. If you were in charge of your own Hollywood ending. Okay. How would you want to die? A, a volcano. Okay. B, by the hand of a 68-year-old assassin. All right. Or C, by the hand of two sensual lovers who are killing you in a non-sensual way. The last one sounds pretty bad. Um, (laughs) I guess I would have to go for, I don't know, I guess I'd have to go for the splendor of the volcano. I think you'd be happiest that way because it'd be so fast. Yeah, well, or maybe the 68-year-old assassin, provided that he's got good eyesight. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a tough one. Well, I don't know. Well, so now we're, we're – uh, the volcano, obviously, we're talking about that because of Pompeii. And the 68-year-old assassin we're talking about because of Kevin Costner. I just made that up. I don't know that he's 68. Well, I, just, I don't know if he's 68 either, but he looks sort of – he looks 60-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Three Days to Kill, CIA espionage thriller. And then – but the third one is a movie that I have not seen, In Secret. This is a movie you're talking about? Yes, that's right. Aha. Uh-huh. Zola. Oh, you know what? I just looked this up. Kevin Costner's only 59. He's only 59. All right. I should be nice to him. Sorry, Kevin Costner. <laughs> You're not really 68. Well, but there's a reason for that. And we, we can talk about that later, about why he looks a little older than he usually does in, in Three Days to Kill. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. All right, to begin, Kristen, tell me about this movie that I've been wanting to see, but I have not been able to see, called In Secret, which stars two of my favorite actors, Elizabeth Olsen and, as you know, Oscar Isaac, who Mm. I am a huge fan of. You knew about him before anybody else knew who he was. I was an early Oscar Isaac champion. So we all know Oscar Isaac now because of Inside Lewin Davis. You've been following him for ages. Elizabeth Olsen for quite a while, was just kind of known as the Olsen twins' sister who was trying to make it. But she's really made a, main, a name for herself now. She's a great actor. She's been in some movies we really like. Martha, Martha Marcy, May Marlene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> among them. And the movie also has Jessica Lang mm. as Elizabeth Olsen's aunt in it. And then we have Tom Felton of Harry Potter fame, who oh, some yes. people know. And this movie is very, very interesting and deceptive in that it starts off just kind of looking like a Jane Eyre sort of period drama in the country. A young girl is orphaned and forced to live with her aunt and her cousin. And her aunt says, you're going to marry your cousin whether you like it or not. Uh-oh. And she does marry her cousin, but then she embarks on an affair with one of her cousin's colleagues who is an artist. And oh, not just artists. any kind of artist, an artist who wants to shape and mold and do all sorts of things with her and his hands. Here's a clip. The first model I ever had was this... Beautiful redhead, natural red, as I quickly discovered. With the only hitch being that this wonderful creature was deaf as a brick. Couldn't call out if I wanted adjustments. I had to mold her like a sculptor. That artist is Oscar Isaac. And wouldn't you just want him to shape and mold the heck out of you? I've used that line before, too. (laughs) Always works. Always works. So Oscar I, Isaac, if you use that line on me, it will work. I promise you. Oscar Isaac doesn't even have to use that line. No, he can just like walk into a room and everyone's clothes fall off and he knows whether or not we're natural redheads. He just knows suddenly. Good line. Good line. Nice nice sneak, sneaking that one in there, Kristen, in that clip. Thank so, you. So tell me, do these two actors live up to all my expectations of them? Oh, they're so great. Really? This, this is such a fun 
movie. It just goes places you don't expect it to. I, I went in. I really did think it was going to be a Jane Eyre movie. And then before you know it, it's like, hold on. Am I watching Double Indemnity? It turns into this crazy movie where you don't quite know what's going to happen. There's a lot of suspense. There's a lot of very hot sex. All right. Um, and, and some violence. All sorts of fun stuff. So kind of Emile Zola noir. I loved it. Yes, right. it's exactly Emile, Emile Zola noir. It's hard to say that. That's hard to say that. <laughs> um, but I'd say fantastic date. Really? One of the best movies I've seen in months. Loved wow. it. Loved it. All right. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. But I want to hear about <laughs> I want, I'm want. i kind of dreading it, but kind of <laughs> like awesomely looking forward to your review of Pompeii because it just looks terrible. Yeah. You only said you wanted to hear about that because you were just thinking of a segue. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to hear, secret to no, I want, no, I want to hear about Pompeii because when I look at the trailers, I think, oh, Rafer's going to have something hilarious to say about this awful looking movie. And it'll be good comedy. Let's hear what funny stuff you have to say about this. Well, all right. So you 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 got to see the the, the classy the classy movie <laughs> with the great actors. And I got to see Pompeii, which is the the, the oh. latest in a, in a string of, you know, fairly disappointing sword and sandal type Epics, right? There's Hercules so many and, right and now. You know, Clash of the Titans, and uh, before that, uh, the, the woeful John Carter. So here comes Pompeii, uh, sort of a no-name cast. Uh, Kit Harrington, I think, if you're a fan of uh, Game of Thrones, you probably consider him a name. Um, Emily Browning, who I do love. Um, so uh, Kit plays uh, Milo. He's a uh, Celt who has been his family has been slaughtered by the Romans. He's enslaved as a gladiator. Uh, he's sort of waiting, hoping that someday he could take his revenge on the My Romans. My eyes are glazing over. Your eyes are already <laughs> glazing over. All right, well, bear with me. He's And, of course, what happens, but he falls in love with a... Uh, I'm not quite sure if it's a Roman princess, but she is a Pompeian princess, I have never I think. heard this story before, ever. You've never heard this before. The Cassia, uh, played by Emily Browning, uh, and she has her, uh, her eyes on him. He has uh, his eyes on her. But, of course, uh, she is the object of affection of a Roman senator, played by none other than, surprise, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, really? I had no idea he was oh, in this film. Now I might want to see this movie. That's <laughs> no, a fun, I, I love those it. kinds of fun surprises. Oh, yeah. So um, so there you have the basic plot. Here's a clip. Madness. We have to get to the harbor and find a boat. The mountain is going to kill us all. She risked her life for me, Atticus. Risked everything for me. Then we will go together. No. You have your freedom, my friend. Now she is mine. What is what is Pompeii for those out there who might not know what Pompeii is? Well, if, the, if you don't know what Pompeii is, it was a town that was <laughs> swallowed up by Mount Vesuvius, of course, the volcano that explodes and, and covers the entire town. And you can still go there and see the fossilized remains of the people who were caught you know, mid-embrace, mid-flee mid as they were trying to escape from this giant mountain of ash and tidal waves and lava and all this other stuff. Have you been stuff. there before? I have not, unfortunately. Neither I've been to I. Italy, but I've not been to Pompeii. Uh, shot partially on in Pompeii, this film. So, uh, you know, you've got this love story and then you've got this this doomy premise. And, and so this really is oh, like kind Titanic. of... It really is Titanic, you know, the cross-class line romance, right? Mixed with Spartacus. You've got the gladiator who's going to try to get his freedom and take revenge, blah, blah. And this is directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who is the genius behind the Resident Evil films. Not to be mistaken with P.T. Anderson. Not to be mistaken uh, at all. So, you know, all, all signs point to badness here. I have to say, I was pretty swept up in this from the beginning. And I was really, really pleased. It is a lot of fun. Really, really nicely directed. Uh, gr- like great, a lot what? of great special effects in it. 
And there's this, there's this aside from just sort of all the pulpy fun of gladiator fighters and arena combat and the haughty princess and the character of Atticus played by an actor whose name I just am not even going to attempt to pronounce. You've seen him a million times. Um, he was the villain in the latest Thor I cannot say his name. There are just too many. There are too many syllables in his name. He's wonderful as the slave Atticus. A uh, lot of fun, and this whole idea of Pompeii, this whole idea of doom, the apocalypse coming, this city of decadence and folly. There's something about that because I think this kind of idea has been on our minds so much lately for the past couple of years in movies. But still, I think the environment, the the financial collapse, the fate of America, the fate of the world, I feel like people are thinking about this stuff. Mm, and something Pompeii, exactly. <laughs> but the, the whole idea that Pompeii is falling apart, splitting at the seams, earthquakes are happening, people are kind of turning a blind eye and just saying, oh, you know, the mountain, she grumbles sometimes. There's this idea that makes the movie – it gives the movie a little bit of extra shading and heft and just gives it a little bit more uh, relevance or something to me. And Pompeii and relevance. Pompeii and relevance. Sentence. And I'm telling you, it, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And this, I had a great time in it. This is a huge shock to me. It was a huge shock this to just, me as well, This Kristen. just looks like a really terrible video game copy of – the last 10 Sword and Sandal movies I'm going to say. I just cannot believe that you like this movie. Especially for a date movie, pretty darn good date. What? Yep. yep. Wow. For sure. For wow. sure. Really enjoyed be- it. Did we just say that there are two good dates this week? I guess When's there the are. Last time we said two very different good dates. <laughs> very different. Very different. Shall we go for three? Let's do it. Let's All go right. for three. With... Let's go for three days to kill. <laughs> oh, smooth. Nice. Movie, three days to kill. You like that? Yeah. Sometimes if you want to do killing, having three days is a good amount of time. You no. know, one day to kill, not enough. No, not, not enough. That's no, right. No, not nearly enough unless you're a volcano. So Three Days to Kill. This is the new Kevin Costner movie, which some people are comparing to the Taken franchise starring Liam Neeson. Perhaps because it's produced by Luc Besson, who did the Taken franchise. I think partly because of that and partly because in both cases we have an older white gentleman yes. who is a father of a daughter. Ah, yes. <laughs> who, you know, doesn't necessarily want to be in the assassin business anymore. Maybe he doesn't want to be in the CIA, but he just gets pulled back in. Yep. For one last time, then he just has to do it. And in this case, Kevin Costner has to do it because the CIA uh, boss who's pulling him back in, played by Amber Heard, Mm -hmm. is promising him some medication that is experimental that can help him with a fatal illness that he has. Fatal brain cancer that has spread to his lungs. That's correct. Yes. And so he says, fine, I'll do this, but only because I love my daughter and want to stay alive for her because he's been estranged from his daughter and his wife. Because you know what? The life of a CIA assassin... Been too busy killing. It's just been hard on his marriage, on on being a good dad. and It's just too hard. It's too hard. But he is going to take three last days to kill. Yep. Take his medication. And um, maybe things will go his way. Here's a clip. Sweetie, it just so happens I'm in a meeting here with a real live Italian. His mama has a great recipe. He wants to give it to you. His name's Guido. Why don't you say hello to my daughter? Hello. I am a Guido. You're right about the daughter, and he also, of course, uh, also has an ex-wife, played yes. by Connie Nielsen. That's right. right. Lovely Connie Nielsen. Yes. Still lovely. Just and the daughter is played by uh, Haley Steinfeld of True Grit. Yes, that's right. And um, the movie also, you know, I, I just mentioned, mentioned there's uh, Amber Heard, but you know, listeners, if you've heard Amber Heard's name on this podcast before, that Rafer usually responds by saying, 
Hubba Hubba. Hubba Hubba is right. <laughs> Holy mackerel, that Amber Heard. And she really hubbas it up in this movie. <laughs> she starts out looking like a fairly normal person, but then suddenly when she shows up to convince uh, Ethan, played by Kevin Costner, to uh, continue killing some people, uh, one is nicknamed the wolf, the other is nicknamed the albino. Which, so, by the way, they're mostly irrelevant. Completely interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. One wolf, albino. Uh, but uh, when she shows up, suddenly she's a uh, like a dyed blonde, cherry lipstick, uh, leather-clad seductress type. I, never, I didn't quite figure out why that is, but she has this kind of uh, – what would you call it? Kind of a taunting, hostile, uh, femme fatale quality to it. I'm everybody's type. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> good line. Good line. That's right. That's a good line, Kristen. Indeed she is. So – what did, you, what did you make of this film? What are we to make of Three Days to Kill, Kristen? Well, well I want to point out that um, McGee, or McGee, McGee. Depending, <laughs> depending on how you like to pronounce his name, uh, directed this. He also directed the Charlie's Angels franchise, which of course. I love. Yep. And all listeners know who've heard this before, I love the Charlie's Angels movies. They take live action, kind of turn them into cartoons, yeah. have a lot of fun, aren't afraid to just push things to the limits. Love that. And I think that in this movie, he wasn't able to do that, and it felt a little disjointed. It felt like he was kind of trying to do the semi-realistic action movie taken thing. Right. And a little tiny bit of Charlie's Angels, but only in Amber Heard's character. Right. So Amber Heard actually feels like she's straight out of the Charlie's Angels movies. Everybody else feels like they're out of the Taken movies. And because of that, I, I felt like it was very disjointed. Well, and you also have an, another Luc Besson film folded in here that you and I saw recently, um, The Family with oh, Robert yes. De Niro. Yeah, so do you remember course. that that movie traded in, on all this kind of wacky black comedy? I'm I'm torturing and beating this guy, but I'm still the likable guy, and now I'm, I'm a gonna... family man and right, I'm a killer, right? And a killer, and oh, you know, hang on, tortured guy. My daughter is calling me. I got to take this call, and all you know, this kind of weird friendships that develop between Ethan, the professional assassin, and these guys that he may or may not torture and kill is supposed to be this kind of black comedy. So, you, so you're right. You've got Charlie's Angels, Taken, The Family, and it all just doesn't really add up to anything. I can't – it was very difficult to figure out what was going on. And I have to say – oh, and also a little bit of uh, Crank, that movie with uh, Jason Statham as the guy who has to keep his heart rate up the entire time in order to survive. <laughs> Only in this one, he well, has was to that keep his – called Speed? I'm sorry. No. I just made another Speed joke. I've been making so many Speed jokes lately. No, not Speed <laughs> Crank. And, but in this one, sort of, sort of idiotically, Kevin Costner has to keep his heart rate low, which is not a great premise for an action film. I have to – I, I got to calm down. I got to calm down. And every scene, I got to calm down. That's not a great formula for, you know, for action. And the whole thing, even though I do think Kevin Costner is kind of good as this aging, weakened CIA guy who's trying to, you know, wring the last bits of strength out of his body, he's kind of compelling and, and, and likable in the film. The rest of the film just falls apart around him, especially toward the end, uh, the, act, the climactic sequence with the wolf and the albino whom I still can't keep straight in my mind, just also, makes no sense whatsoever. And also, I just want to point out, we don't even know why he's killing these no, people. No, I don't know. We don't, we don't know, know anything about these bad guys. Neither does he. No, it's just like, here I am, I'm killing people. As far as, really, as far as, <laughs> as, far as his character knows, a hot blonde got in his car and ordered him to kill people and said, by the way, I'm with the CIA. And he said, hmm, okay. That totally crossed my mind. Totally crossed right? my mind. It's like, these might just be ex-boyfriends of hers. Right. She's like, just not getting along very well I'm not going to do any cross-checking on you. I'll just go ahead and kill the person. <laughs> Give me your gun. 
Yeah, so I'm going to say a pretty bad date, even though, as you know, I'm a huge Luc Besson fan, and I remain so. But, uh, you know, sometimes this stuff works. Sometimes it's just bloody awful. And this is one of the latter cases and not a great date by any means. I'm going to agree with you on a couple of points here. One, Kevin Costner is totally likable in this. He is. And two... It's not a great date. Yeah, it's, it's just true. not. It's just not. Um, I didn't think it was awful, though. You didn't think it was awful? No, nope, I didn't think it was awful. Oh. But it wasn't a good date either. Okay. You know, there have been I'd many, say awful. There have been many, many worse dates so far this year. <laughs> well, I mean, we're only midway through February, and there's already been so many more worse. There dates have been worse dates. You're yeah, correct. Many you're correct. Worse <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. All right. So let's move on to something that um, has a lot of people kind of up in arms right now. This whole music category, the best song category in the Oscars. What's going on? And I just want to ask you about this, Rafer, because you're a former music critic. You're a film critic and a former music critic, so you're kind of the right person to answer these questions. So what's going on here? There's some sort of disqualified song. There's a whole bunch of... Right. um, Well, it's kind of... I mean, for the first time in a long time, I mean, as a music fan, I I care suddenly about this category. It's kind of interesting, and I think there's a lot of good stuff in it, and it'll be interesting to see what shakes out. Usually the original song, you know, the original song category is mostly these kind of throwaway songs that appear in the end credits, and, you know, and then everyone... One of them gets an Oscar, and suddenly somebody walks away with an Oscar, and you realize that this some joker has just had his career made. And I, I never, it never seems that fascinating to me. But in this particular instance, you've got... So first of all, you do have this little, this little uh, semi-scandal with one of the songwriters uh, for a uh, song called Alone Yet Not Alone uh, for the movie of the same name, faith-based film. And wherever I may roam I'm alone yet not Alone. Got disqualified because he was uh, uh, judged to have been improperly lobbying uh, other uh, voting members. Hold on, I thought everybody lobbied all the time, though. I know it's very it's very confusing, and this has been a you know, and of course, the, I think the faith based community has taken this to as an, another example of Hollywood's you know uh, anti- antipathy against them. Um, you know, the guy himself has said you know they wouldn't have done this to John Williams, uh, which is kind of a good point, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe John Williams has never done that. I don't know. Maybe John Williams doesn't have to do any lobbying. That could, he's that could John be too. Williams. But you're right about the lobbying thing. It did. It struck me as a little odd as well. Anyway, so that song is out. So now we only have four. But here's the lineup. You've got um, U2 doing their song from uh, Mandela. Mandela, Ordinary Love. Right, Ordinary Love. You have uh, Idina Menzel doing uh, Let It Go from Her. Frozen. Mm-hmm. Well, now they know. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. Then you've got uh, Karen O oh, uh, from Yeah, Yeah, Yeah is doing the Moon Song. I'm Crazy from her, yes. right? And who am I ha- forgetting? Oh, and then we have Happy of from Despicable Me too. Huh. Because I'm happy. Come along if you feel like a room 
right. movie that you love. <laughs> <laughs> not, no, neither I of us. Despise, but that song is great by Pharrell Williams. And they're all, I mean, here, here's the thing. They're all going to perform on the Oscars. That's a pretty great star-packed and very diverse oh, yeah. collection of original song performers. I love that. Karen O on the same stage. Right. Just, oh, God, so good. That's going to be really cool. And I think these are all really interesting. I will say it would have been pretty interesting to see the singer of Alone Yet Not Alone, that faith-based film, on that stage. She is an older quadriplegic amateur singer. And that would have been a, that would have been a crowd-pleasing moment to see that woman quadriplegic. Not paraplegic. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty extraordinary. And she's not a she's not a known name. She's, you know, kind of a semi-professional amateur singer. Um that would have been something to see her up there sing that song live in front of an Oscar audience. It's kind of too bad that that all shook out that way. But anyway, I think it's a great lineup for the Oscars. I'm actually looking forward to those performances. That's going to be just incredible. I mean, the last time I can think of where on stage you had that many interesting people was the year Titanic was yes, nominated. Right. Um, my heart will go on because at one point you had Celine Dion holding hands with Elliot Smith that year. Right. That's right. That? Yes, for that's right. Goodwill Hunting. And I just love it when... The Oscars do that with songs. Where yeah. It's just like, we're just going to have everybody up here. Right, right. So that could be good. Do you have, do you, Kristen, have a handicap? Do you want to say who you think is going to win? I think it's pretty, I don't know. I was, I was going to, I think it's pretty obvious it's going to be Frozen, but I could be wrong. I, I just I think feel so like too. Oscar tends to love Disney. Yes, um, and Broadway. And it's a very Broadway sounding uh, score and a very Broadway so. song. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, but I, I don't think that Let It Go was necessarily my favorite song what's from your favorite? Frozen. Lot oh, of songs from Frozen, that, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of songs I love in Frozen. And um, Let It Go is, it's, it's you know, it's kind of a feminist anthem. It, mm. it seems like the big moment in any Broadway show. But I think there are just so many great duets in that mm-hmm. um, Yeah, movie. that's true. There are, you know, for the first time in forever, Love is an Open Door. We had Josh Gad on our I was going to say, all, yeah, Olaf's, Olaf's Snow song. Oh, yeah. So there are so many fun songs in that movie. Yeah. So. You know, Let It Go is one of the good ones. And if you're going to have a nomination, I think that's probably the one that the Oscars are going to like the best. But, you know, I could be wrong because Ordinary Love won for the Golden Globe. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, but I mean, who cares about that? And no, and, <laughs> and nobody – and also, like, nobody nobody really knows that song. No, one, no one's going around humming that song. Let It Go has been an actual hit. It's been like, oh, it's yeah. been like, a, like a, a charting hit. It's I been mean, remade a whole bunch of times. Right. They're just – I mean, it's all over the place. There's the right. sing-along Frozen that's happening all over the country right that's now. That's right. That's right. If it were me, though, I would say happy, Pharrell Williams. I don't. I don't think it's going to win, but I think that is a fantastic song from a hideous film. But I think it is a great, great song. And I don't. And I would. I would encourage listeners to. Um, I'm, I'm not being paid by Pharrell Williams to say this, but uh, go to uh, 24 Hours of Happy. It's his online interactive video for that song featuring. Mm. Um, 24 hours of people just singing. Well, it looks to me like random people singing and dancing to that song around the streets of Los Angeles. And it is a really fun video. You can skip back and forth through time all over, and, it, and but, but the song itself stays seamless and never skips. It's brilliant. Wow. And I can't believe that song is not a bigger hit, but I love that song. I think wow. it's a great song. Oh, that's but great. I think it's going to be Let It Go. Uh. It's going to win the Oscar. All right, so <sighs> we're reaching that time. We have to say goodbye to everybody, but... We always need to end on trivia first. Indeed. So last week, 
Do you remember Endless Love, Rafer? I do remember Endless Love. You better remember because it's endless. It just (laughs) never ends. It stayed with me all right. So last week we talked about the remake of Endless Love, but we asked you a question about the original Endless Love from 1981 starring Brooke Shields as Jade, and we played the following clip. Hey, David's here. Can we eat now? Uh, Yes, Monty. Hey, hi, Jim. Oh, Hey, David, have you seen the insects we're having for dinner tonight? Uh, shut up, smart ass. I'm trying to educate this boy's palate. One of the actors you hear in that clip is Jade's brother in the movie, played by somebody who went on to kind of be a bad boy in a lot of the teen movies yes. of the 80s. We asked you, who is that actor? And here is the right answer. Hey, Rayford and Kristen. It's Ken from New Jersey, and take a shot at this week's Movie trivia, which had to do with Endless Love, the original version. Jay's brother, Keith, is played by little Jimmy Spader. That's what he's billed as, Jimmy Spader. I think he's like 20 years old. It's his first big role. And uh, now he's a bad guy. So the bad guy character is he plays Red on the TV show Blacklist, bad guy who decides to help the FBI. Okay, have a warm winter. Ken from New Jersey. Yes, indeed, Ken. That's correct. James Spader. Pretty in pink. Exact same haircut. (laughs) Didn't change a thing. (laughs) And love that fun fact that you brought. Jimmy Spader is how he's credited Endless Love. Such a great fact. We love (laughs) you, Ken. So great to hear from you again. And what is this week's trivia question, Rafer? Well, because we were talking about uh, and thoroughly trashing Three Days to Kill, we're going to do a little trivia based on that film. That film has a villain called the Albino who I'm pretty sure doesn't at all look like an albino to me. I don't, I don't know. He's bald, but he does not look like an albino what to me. What does baldness that, have to do with albinism, I don't, though? I don't I, know. You've got no color. You've got no hair. No, I don't, that's not true. I don't know. I don't. You, it's look. Uh, but And this is a long tradition, of course, of casting people with albinism as villains in films. There are too many of these to list. But we're going to pick one at random just because we think it's funny, and we're going to play this clip. You tell us. Who is the actor and what is the movie of this albino villain? Here's the clip. If you know who's that albino, name that albino. Uh, and the movie, give us a call, 5717movies. Or, as always, you can visit us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast, and we will randomly select one correct answer and read it next week. Now.